0: From the city of Beaky Blinders, Birmingham, England, I would like to introduce you to Paddy Dandar. As the world becomes more automated and the robots take over, it's imperative that we build the right human skills for the future. So pull up a chair, grab a small or two, and make yourself very uncomfortable. A big question I often hear clients asking is, We're trying to shift our culture from here to here, and they'll come along and ask for help. But I always think, is training really enough to help shift a culture in an organization? And if not, what might help? I mean, in your experiences, Jill, because I know you've done some huge transformations and worked with some really big clients Do you have any stories or examples of where you've done this well? And what were some of those ingredients that you used to help? Oh,
1: gosh, that's a difficult question. I'd say the more you can make learners aware of learning, (laughs) learning dynamics in the way I am now, I think that's helpful. It's not easy, but because learning is becoming more difficult, you have to broach the more difficult areas of it. I would say link it to business value. so. allow people to have purpose. You allow people to understand that what they're doing does help their organisation. And I think increasingly, you're going to shift the learning culture if you link it to the employee value proposition, to your talent management strategy, to career frameworks. So, you may be five, 10 years ago, you would have said if you're linking learning to career management, you are as an organisation encouraging people to leave. And oh yeah, we don't want to do that. Now it's the opposite. Talent is so tight. You're under a lot of very reasonable ethical obligation to reskill people, to upskill them. So if you want to mature your learning culture in today's world, I would absolutely related to employee value proposition, to talent management, career frameworks, purpose of the organisation, growth of the organisation. People want to now, especially post-COVID, get up and feel the purpose of their organisation. And if you link learning to that, we are teaching you this because it will help move our strategy on in this way. And if we move our strategy on in this way, it will help the performance of our company. And why wouldn't you want to work for a growing, exciting company with a future. So that's what I would do now. I think in the past, what it's taken to move on a learning culture has been very different. I think maybe in the past, the near past, maybe just pre-COVID, it was a lot to do with systems. You know, having LMS, having learning tools, having all of that infrastructure that gave people a lot of choice around their learning. But we haven't got time to to feel that we can indulge in learning when we want to. We'll always find something else to do rather than learn. So, yeah, in the past, the learning culture could have been moved on and was moved on with a lot of infrastructure. Now I think it's moved on by aligning it to everything else that's got people in the world in it, in your organisation.
0: Yeah, I was looking at some research from Deloitte, which was published a few years ago, and they were talking about how the average worker knowledge worker spends just 1% of their working week on formal learning and development which actually equates to about 24 minutes a week so not much time at all that's like the time it takes me to have a sandwich and you know eat my lunch and so if we're trying to shift mindsets culture all of those good things that's a very small window of opportunity where we've got to really get that individual excited enough to want to learn and then take action. You
1: remember the days in 3N where they said you know five percent of the time could be used on innovation, you don't have to be accountable to anybody for it. It can be the wackiest thing that you've ever thought of. Maybe that's what we need to do with learning. We need to say, you really do need to spend more than your 24 minutes because we absolutely know that investing in you will work. And we don't need to know the exact outcome of that hour session or two hour session or whatever, or 5% of your time that you spend on learning. We do want you to discuss it with your line manager, you discuss it with your peers to try and make that time increasingly efficient, you know, maybe through understanding what motivates you, but maybe we need to time box it and give people permission to learn and not squeeze it around everything else that they do because it's tricky
0: to yeah. find that time absolutely and i think sometimes we do need to just get creative and you know explore different avenues and ideas some of them are going to be fruitful others aren't and it it's just giving people that space isn't it so jill i know you're very passionate about leadership so my sort of final couple of questions could you tell us based on your insights that you're seeing what is the leader of the future. So in terms of their skill set, what things should leaders really care about if someone out there is in that leadership position? It doesn't have to be a C-level leader. It could be regular managers or team leaders. But what are some of the things that people should care about, especially in the digital revolution that we're living in?
1: I think it actually links to what I've just been saying to you in that you know, I hear some quite young graduates who have been asked to lead say, that's not my job. Yeah, I've only been in here for two, three years. Yeah, well, I'm already going on a leadership course. Isn't that what happens at the top? You know, you're kind of not paying me enough to lead. I hear senior leaders still saying, oh, excuse me, you know, why are you using the term leadership for anybody inferior or lower down in the organisation For me? You know, leadership is what I do. And yet we know, you know leadership should be distributed, should be everywhere. To answer your question more directly, I don't think it's a skill set. I think it's increasingly a mindset. It's, it's used, perhaps another cliche, as a growth mindset, leaning into opportunities, making sure that you don't lean in so often that you end up being burnt out, that you manage your resilience to lean into new situations. Above all, though, I think it goes back to that learning series about your authentic self. Because you can think of leadership as a lack of leadership. You know, we all sit and admire the Obamas of this world and maybe forget or have some sort of role model such as Obama and forget that he used to spend hours apparently practising his speeches that sounded oh so effortlessly to us. that as a manager, when do we practise what we say or talk about in the podcast? Anywhere near as much as we should do. But if you don't think of leadership as a lack, but think of it as something that you can always gain to make yourself more the type of person you want to be, then it becomes empowering. You start to own it. You start to be in control of it. And what I'm hearing from people is, you maybe I've, I've lost control because I'm being told to be a leader and I don't quite know what it means. I don't know what it wants to me, what I want it to mean. So I would stand back and say, whenever anybody talks to leadership about leadership to you, Think of it as an opportunity to become the type of person you want to become. Because leadership is about freedom. It is about mindset. It is about leaning in. It is about opportunities. It's not about the routine that management is about. As much as management is needed. I don't like this. You you have leadership and you don't have management. You have management and you don't have leadership. Some organisations will see leadership as part of management. Some will see it as you slightly overlapping Venn diagrams. Some people put management within leadership. All of those might vary per sector and per company. Management has to be valued as much, if not more, than leadership because I personally don't think you can have leadership without good management because you need processes, you need things to work, to have the freedom and the mindset and the headspace to to be a leader. Yeah, it's about you. It's about your opportunity to gain more out of your work, and continue to develop. And then that takes us back to learning.
0: Finally, question on my mind is, what is the state of leadership in today's world? Are we in trouble? Do we need to have more people having that mindset that you mentioned, that growth mindset? Or do we feel that the majority of us have it, we just need to Give those people a little nudge along the way and, and help support them a little bit more? Like, what's, what's the state of play?
1: Well, I think I'll give two answers to that. The optimistic of me says I do see younger people show leadership around climate change, around ethics, around organizations needing to have corporate social responsibility. And I think that's a form of leadership that. Yeah, maybe it's been around before. You know, There have obviously been other generations that have had a political or societal view of business. So I think that's maybe the optimistic person in me. I think the pessimistic is that there's a knowledge action gap. So you can find as many theories and as many articles about leadership as you could possibly read if all you did in your life was not sleep and just read about leadership. You, you still wouldn't get to the end of what there has been written about leadership. And so I think we we can overwhelm people with what it is and its importance in terms of knowledge, but not close that gap around what does it mean for me, you, everybody to act as a leader in a way that builds on diversity, is inclusive, links to performance. So that's the pessimistic side because I think it's become more difficult to be a leader because you've got to learn to lead, you've got to constantly adapt. You're always learning, you're always changing to become ever more that person you want to become, which is great news. But there's so many... Blockers that are going to stop you if you're not careful and you don't care for yourself in the workplace and think about how you want to become a leader. And if you're a manager, how to help other people become leaders. I think we need to talk far more about the fact that it's tough. You can read article after article that makes it sound easy. It's not. It's not. It involves a lot of your character, it involves a lot of energy, it involves a lot of understanding of business value involves a lot of, le- of failure. I'm a great fan of the podcast, so that learning how to fail. I think it's really fascinating. And yet, have we got the psychological safety in most organisations to turn up from it, to genuinely learn from it and move on? I'm not sure that we do yet. But maybe that's what you and I are here for.
0: Fantastic. Thank you, Jill. We are out of time. And honestly, I could talk to you all day about this topic because I know we're both very passionate about helping organizations move forward and cope with all of the uncertainty that's around them at the moment, especially the disruption as well from technology and some of the new startups that are cropping up as well. So fascinating topic. Thank you so much for sharing your insights today, Joe. It's been a pleasure having you on the show.
1: You're very welcome. I've learned from it. I think the moment you have to articulate your views on these things, it makes you think and wonder and more questions come into your head and answers come into your So It's been good fun.